Hello everyone, I'm Alan Mellish, Director of Events and Online Content at the Human Capital Institute, and this is Nine to Thrive HR, your source for education, expertise, and knowledge on all things talent. If you just can't get enough of this kind of thing, check us out at hci.org for more free, amazing content like this. And if you want to make a real investment in your personal development this year, learn about our highly interactive virtual conference schedule at hci.org forward slash conferences. Today, my guest is Sarah Chavaria. Sarah is the EVP, Chief People Officer and Head of Corporate Communications, Corporate Philanthropy and Business Transformation at Delta Dental. Sarah, welcome to 9 to Thrive. Hi, thank you, Alan. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. And we're glad to have you. So um, the topic or the range of topics we're going to be covering is probably something that a lot of people in the audience are dealing with still right now, even as we're starting to come out of the pandemic. You know, COVID-19 has really challenged a lot of organizations to adapt and pivot. And in your industry, that was particularly true, I'm willing to bet. What was it like for Delta Dental when the pandemic began? Oh, you're not kidding. So, you know, let me just maybe paint the picture. We're a company that was founded in 1955. So our practices and how, you know, we take care of our members is something we've done for over 60 years. And we provide service and oral health care for over 36 million members across the country. And so, you know, I want that backdrop because, You talk about a long-standing organization that has an incredible network of providers and the pandemic hits. And a couple of things happen that create some complexity for us. One, at some point in the pandemic early on, the dentist's offices closed. And when you think about the dentist's offices closing, it means that the members that we insure aren't going to the dentist. And it also means that those dentists are not reaching out to us and interacting with us about, you know, making sure that they're, you know, taking care of these members. So, um, so that's kind of in the provider and the customer landscape. And then add to that, we're a largely work from the office culture. We have contact centers where our incredible call center representatives are fielding calls from those members and from those providers or those dentists. And we are having to find new ways to keep them safe. We recognized pretty early on that we needed to find a way to help them shelter in place and do their work from home. So I think uh, I think it's fair to say <laughs> that it offered a lot of um, I wouldn't call them obstacles, but it offered you know a lot of complexity in how we thought about oh my goodness how are we going to comply with sheltering people at home? How are we going to equip them to work from home? And then how are we going to think about our members and our providers who? you know, are experiencing the shutdown of dental offices for a period of time. And what do we do with that time? So yeah, it was it was an incredible backdrop for us. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, really, a lot of things coming at you in a lot of different ways. So with that, how did you start to respond to that? Um, you know, and how have COVID-related policies at Delta Dental changed since that initial response? Like, you know, you, you go in with one approach and then facts on the grounds change, facts, uh, you know, and you learn, get more information, you got to switch up the plan as you're going. So talk a little bit about that. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, so for us, it all started, I'll just say March 16th, we were briefing our vice presidents on what we anticipated was coming um, in terms of some limitations. And we were just sharing that we should cancel meetings, cancel all non-essential travel. And both the Bay Area and Pennsylvania issued the stay-at-home orders. So we took a quick break and you know, committed that we would come back to the organization. But what I will say is our priority um, was to make sure that we were taking really good care of our employees and creating or making decisions that had their safety at the center. And um, so it was pretty, pretty quick work to uh, reconnect with our leaders and advise them and help them prepare for moving our employees to work from home unless they absolutely could not. So you can imagine, right? You have people who receive our mail and sort our mail and scan it and some some critical functions like that that we needed to keep in the office. So we did two things. One, we started the process of you know, technologically and from a leadership perspective, moving our workforce to work from home where they could. And for those individuals who needed to come into the office because they didn't have connectivity or whatever the reason was, um, we made sure we were creating space. It was still pretty early in the pandemic. So remember, you know, we weren't being advised to to wear masks, but we knew that uh, social distancing was critically important. So we moved people um, far apart in, in our areas. And uh, I would say our technology team really did a, um, a hero's effort to enable our folks to dial in from their home computers and field calls and access all of their tools. So those were some things we did early on. And then you know, kind of fast forward a little bit. Now the dentist's offices are closed. The volume of calls is going down. So we had a real opportunity to, um, you know, keep everyone that works for us about, you know, almost 4,000 people engaged by asking them to raise their hand and work on some other critical projects that we knew would advance our ability to continue to do um, really good work from home um, better. <laughs> and so we had a lot of folks raise their hand. They worked on special projects during that time. We took the opportunity to really get um, our foundation strengthened um, through these projects so that the productivity we were seeing from people working from home um, was solid. And then the dentist's offices reopened, and wouldn't you know it, um, our members, it, it, it seemed as though they fled back to the dentist's office, and so all the call volumes went back up, and all of our normal business went back up, but our people were still working from home. So, you know, we were on the, you know, pioneering side of thinking about, you know, our employees' uh, well-being, their safety, and their ability to work from home, and I'm really proud. I mean, from a from an HR perspective and partnership with our finance organization, one of the first things we did was put an emergency time off um, proposal in, in front of the senior leaders that we quickly adopted, which enabled individuals to take time off paid if they were faced with their own diagnosis of exposure to COVID, they were, you know, taking care of someone with COVID. And um 
then the schools closed, right? And so it enabled people to take some paid time off in this emergency time off fund, um, up to 200 hours that would enable them to take care of their family. And um, we made sure that, you know, their sick time, their vacation time, not only was available to them for these reasons, but that they could go into the negative um, if they needed to. So I would say from a, you know, one, one of the elements of our vision statement is to take exceptional care of each other. And I think that um, we did some really creative, fast, and uh, good things to help our employees know that, you know, we, we had them front of mind and, uh, or top of mind. And, uh, you know, we were trying to find every way we could to keep them engaged in um, the work and incredible work that they do um, so that in turn, we could take exceptional care of our customers and our dentists. Um, who were also facing, you know, their own challenges. So those are a couple of examples of things that that we did early on. And, you know, uh, I'm sure a little bit later we can talk about, you know, what did we continue and, and what does it look like for 2021? But I'm really, really proud of Delta Dental and uh, really feel good about what we were able to do. That's fantastic, Sarah. Um, but of course, as you know, coming up with a plan of action is only part of the equation. Uh, you know, we obviously got to distribute and make it happen by uh, communication and change management. A whole bunch of work had to go into that, I would have to imagine. So talk a little bit about the role that change management and communication strategies uh, made it possible for you to make these changes in response to COVID-19. Yeah, you're exactly right, Alan. So, you know, I, I said that this all started for us on March 16th. And by March 18th, our CEO, Mike Castro, was addressing the entire employee population through a town hall. And our philosophy around the communication plan that um, obviously, you know, we needed to implement was let's be really transparent and let's share with the entire employee population through this mic channel um, what we know today, how we're thinking about it, and really start to preview for them the decisions we knew we were going to have to make. And so on March 18th, he addressed the entire population for about 45 minutes and talked to them about the sheltering in place orders, what that meant to our organization, and specifically our Pennsylvania office and our Bay Area office, and what we were planning to do for our other offices, because we just knew that that would be the safest thing for us to do. So we launched his channel. He met with the employees probably, gosh, early on, every other week, every three weeks, and continues to drive a town hall meeting at least every four weeks for the employees. And then we supported that with a very strong um, campaign of emails. We launched, uh, I think we already had, but we launched them more rapidly, people leader calls. So we assembled any people leader in the organization and invited them to talk with us also you know, once every three or four weeks and walked them very specifically through the information we knew and had, how we were interpreting that information, and how we were translating that into actions. You know, we started putting nurses on site to support the employees who were in the office. We went through, like every other company, I'm sure, a couple of 
um, potential plans to bring more people back into the office. And I say potential because, you know, we were hoping we'd be fully back, you know, in the summer or in the fall. And of course that didn't happen, but we communicated um, everything we had uh, with employees through multiple channels. So town halls with the CEO, um, getting the people leaders informed, giving them leadership packets, to uh, turn around and meet with their own teams in huddles. It meant teaching our leaders new ways to meet with their employees who were now virtual, right? How do you check up on employees? How do you pull them together virtually for huddles and keep them informed and engaged? And then supporting all of that with emails and the launch of a portal site that was fully dedicated to everything we knew about COVID-19 and everything that we were thinking about and doing um, for COVID-19. So um, much of that has continued. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's how we how we got everybody uh, wrapped around our communication and our change campaign. Yeah, I think that's such a important part, especially just drilling down a bit on the on the whole being really honest and transparent as much as you can is so huge in situations like this, because it's that kind of thing where if you don't give people a narrative of what's going on, they'll come up with their own and they'll be jumping to a lot of conclusions because you haven't given them all the information. Um, so that's really, I think, an important thing to do in stressful times like these is uh, is try and, even if you haven't got all the answers, try and give as many of them as you can, as fast as you can. I think you're making an important point, if you don't mind me underscoring it really quickly, which is the information that people were privy to and taking in, in a lot of ways, was really scary, right? They were seeing friends and neighbors contract COVID. They were seeing friends and neighbors get laid off. They were seeing friends and neighbors being sincerely impacted by this pandemic. And so you're exactly right. If if you can, you know, kind of shape um, your communications and your change plan to attend to that, I don't want to call it fear, but, you know, recognize that in many ways your employees are Kind of, you know, looking for that stability and that safety. And if you can shape your messaging to really attend to that and, and appreciate that that's where they are, that's where a lot of us are. Um, that is so important. So I'm glad you played that back because it, you know, reminded me that, you know, a big part of it was just being empathetic to where people are. Absolutely. So with all that in mind, I would say another thing is really important is just sort of, you know, it's important for your people to hear from you and hear from their manager and get all of that information and understand, you know, if things are changing, here's how they're changing, all of that kind of thing. Um, to flip things around, uh, how do you keep track of how your people are doing in terms of, you know, measuring employee sentiment or, uh, or all of that kind of thing, because it's, you know, it used to be a lot easier in some ways to get at least a rough measure. If you weren't going to launch a formal survey, you could at least get a rough measure of what the mood was because the, you could talk to the managers and the managers are walking around the office talking to their people face to face and have a pretty good understanding probably. Um, now in a hybrid or virtual environment, we don't have all of that face to face contact. So how are you keeping track of all of this while you're dealing with all the logistical problems? 
Well, you brought up surveys. I'd be remiss if I if I didn't say, you know, we, we do a pulse survey three times a year to really reach out to everybody and give them an opportunity to weigh in both on a series of questions and then a free form. But I think more importantly than that, when we launched the town halls with our CEO and the people leader calls, we made sure to open up the Q&A and the chat function. And we had a team of people sitting there really curating those questions and live responding to them. And, you know, back to the spirit of creating this relationship with our employees where we wanted them to know the information we were working with and really build that trust. I think that responding to them just in time was also creating this really nice feedback loop where they felt like no matter what they were asking, we were answering it live in the Q&A function, and then we were leaving space at the end of every call to really curate those questions and have our CEO respond to them. If I was his guest that month, I would respond to them. And then we would put those back into our email channels, right, and our portal channels. And then one other thing we did that I want to highlight is we weren't just dealing with the pandemic. We were dealing with social injustice across the country as well. And we had launched a Seen and Heard series, which enabled us to also do our listening tour with our employees. So we launched a virtual listening tour and through that sat with many of our employees um, in more private, more open environments and just connected with them on how they were feeling, what they were thinking and what they really wanted us to address. So I think all of that has given us this great feedback loop in this world of virtual working and and not just relying on a survey, Alan. Yeah, absolutely. And and I love the idea of using those calls and those other those other feedback loops that you went into as a way to talk about the social justice and the uh, conversation that also restarted or began during 2020. So a good example of how organizations can, I think, stay up to the minute and relevant with what's going on with their people rather than waiting till the next engagement survey pulse rolls around or something, but really engaging and having a better sense of what's going on on the ground, even if you can't do a big study of the uh, of employee sentiment at the time. Right. Well, I, that is, I believe, all we have time for today. So I want to thank Sarah for uh, being so generous with her time and uh, for providing us all that great information and perspective on how Delta Dental is uh, is managing the ongoing crisis and positioning itself to come out even better and stronger uh, as we return to the new normal. So thank you, Sarah, for all your insight and wisdom there. And for all ideas related to HR, come visit us at hci.org and uh, check out the conference page, as I mentioned before. And don't forget to like us, rate us, and subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Smart Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, I'm Alan Mellish.